Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Uh-oh. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. It's Corey LaJoy. He's got the belt over his shoulder. He's calling him out right now. It's the seven sits straight from heaven. Welcome to NASCAR American Motor Mouths. Nate Ryan, Kyle Petty, and we just heard his entrance music. Corey LaJoy also joining us. Kyle, it's not often we get an active nope, Cup nope. Series driver on the program. Nope, he left the belt in the lobby. I will say that. We, he wouldn't bring the belt in here, but that's... Uh... It's not often we get somebody who just got out of a race car on Sunday to come sit and talk to us. Well, race car driver, but also honorary heavyweight champion of the world I was introduced <laughs> to. Oh, so. oh, I missed that good. part. That was uh, the belt. Okay, yeah, that's good. That that's was perfect. the belt. So SummerSlam was past weekend. They were on our car at Pocono. Uh, it was on Peacock, so we did a lot, a lot of cool stuff. The audio was from that video we put out. Yeah, that's so. good. A lot of good stuff going on. All right. On. Well, we're certainly honored to have your presence. We respect the fact that you're here. And respect has been a big conversation over the last yeah. few days since the Indianapolis Motor Speedway road course race on Sunday. It all started, I think, with a quote from Ryan Blaney after the race Sunday at Indy. Here it is. That's all people do at the end of these things. They just dive in there and wreck you. I don't know if you shoved who, and I don't care. It's a matter of getting through on the restart. But apparently, that's a hard thing to ask. People just run over each other. Uh, Ryan Blaney also said that he was pissed off and had every damn right to be. Uh, <laughs> let's hear what some other people said about this as well. Greg Ives, crew chief for Alex Bowman, and Joey Logano. You know, I, I see better racing out of my seven-year-old kid. You know, it, we have professionals out there running it like it's a SNS Speedway a slingshot race. You know, it's it's not it's it's not good for racing it's not good for uh, uh professionalism fans want to see drivers hate each other that's just what it is right like now there there is a a, a level of respect out there and, and and you know give and take and and eye for an eye those type things out there but i i don't think fans want to see everybody just you know hold hands and sing kumbaya together you know what i mean we, we're not doing that that's not going to happen. And I don't think anybody wants that to happen. And here's another piece of it, I think. These cars all run almost the same speed, right? Like, we all have the same parts and pieces now. There's only limited things we're changing to make them faster than the other car. And so that just makes it harder to pass. And you send it down in the corner, and you get out of control. You're out of, you just go too fast. And, and that's what you see happen in turn one, not just on restarts, but other times, too, is that that was the big passing zone. If I don't pass them here, I'm stuck 
behind him for Lord knows how long. And so I got to go. And that's what those mistakes are. Is it disrespect? I don't know if it's disrespect as much as it is just guys driving over their head to make a pass because that's the only way to do it unless you're just going to ride behind him forever. And that's frustrating as I'll get out. So those are the thoughts of Joey Logano from his weekly Behind the Wheels segment on Sirius XM NASCAR Radio every Tuesday. And also we heard from Greg Ives, also a Sirius XM NASCAR Radio with the morning drive. So some important context here uh, before we get into this. Uh, Ryan Blaney fell from third to 26th on that final restart. Yes. So certainly he had a lot of reason to be <clears> angry. Alex Bowman and Greg Ives' driver was involved in one of those wrecks in Indy. He certainly had reasons for also being a little bit miffed. But, uh, you know, let's get into this. I want to get both your thoughts. I'm going to start with you, Kyle. I know we've heard this discussion a lot over the years. I know you've heard it a lot over the years. But uh, are drivers not respecting <clears throat> each other enough right now? Um, that's, a, that's a great question. I think, I think we're define recession, okay? And my point is define respect. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, we're writing definitions. You like that little now, now I know where yeah. you're going with that. So, okay. so, we're, so if we're going to rewrite <laughs> definitions, you know yeah. what I mean? I, I think you have to define respect. And, and if you go back, and, and, and you brought up an, an incredibly interesting point this morning on, on, um, on our call, double file restarts. Double file restarts is when things really begin to change because you had lead lap cars in the outside line, lap down cars in the inside line. And it was a matter of respect. If you were one lap down, the guys that were two and three lap, they respected you being one lap down. They let you go around. You were one lap down. You respected that outside lane because they were still in the lead lap. Now, that first guy, he's going to race his rear end off to make that get that lap back. Um, and, but listen, we had a lot more cautions in my day uh, from broke parts and things like that. Not, and, and you talk about cautions breeding cautions, so you hoped you got your lap back. It didn't have the lucky dog, didn't have that. But you respected the space. You respected the space that he took getting into turn one. Um, and, and I think this car, I think there's a lot of factors that have put Corey LaJoy, uh, Joey Logano, Kyle Larson, these guys in this situation that I never had to deal with as a driver. Never had to deal with as a driver. Um, <clears throat> I know I watch some of these things sometimes. And growing up with those really older guys, um, if that carnage happened in turn one, there would be a heavyweight bout in the garage area when that race was over with. You know what I mean? They would have just gone at it with each other. We don't have that. You know, you, you, don't, you don't have that. So I think we have to redefine what the sport is and redefine what we expect from competitors. And I think each competitor has that line. Um, it's not a total amount of disrespect. I, I can't say that it's disrespect. Um, and I thought about this today. I can't say that I disrespect Corey LaJoy, but... I respect my team that I drive for, and I respect that I need to get in front of him right this very minute. Yeah. And my time's up. Right. Well, I feel like the, the line of the sand always continues to get washed away by the shore, right? It's like this is where the respect level lies. Okay, that's pushed a little bit further. we we'll push a little bit further. Now, multiple layers to the topic of respect, right? What What is it? Yep. And I feel like it ebbs and flows with certainly the racetracks you go to, but certainly the cars you race – uh, quick story, Nate, you can appreciate this. I was hanging out with Connor Daly, a couple of your IndyCar guys, Connor Daly, Colton Hurd, uh, Scott McLaughlin, and the topic came up about NASCAR drivers. Why do they run all over each other? It's like, well, when I door smash Joey Logano, I'm not worried about launching him into the catch fence, right? It's just right. like That's right. the, the, how safe these race cars are. 
You don't pay a, a penalty or consequence when you run in the back of somebody because you can square them up and you don't have any cosmetic damage. So I don't, I'm not worried about Joey's well-being or safety. I'm trying to get my car positioned in front of his because it pays better if my car's in front of him. And the continued line that the owners are wanting the, aggre the, the aggressiveness out of the race car drivers, um, you know, how much playoff points are important and how aero-dependent these race cars are, restarts are the only place where you really can pass three or four cars in one corner. And especially when you go with a 400-yard you know, launch pad yeah. into a 90-degree corner where you have to go down 30 mile an hour, that was an exaggerated version of what we've seen, the, re the respect level starting to tailor, starting to maybe lower a bit. But I don't think that any, I think everybody has an inherent respect as a race car driver for each other. And it's really just, everybody's patience is really thin yeah. right Yeah, now. I mean, it's like a confluence. Yeah. It seems like to me like three things. Like one, some new racetracks, like you mentioned, Indianapolis Motor Speedway Road Course has that launch pad going down into turn one, kind of similar to Watkins Glen has that as well. Uh, two, next-gen car, which, as you said, much more durable. Drivers wanted that. They didn't want what they had with the Gen 6 where you have a, get a tire yeah. rub just from leaning on a guy. Right. This thing's much more bulletproof. And three, like all of that kind of, you know, coming together with the driver attitudes, yeah. Yeah. Kyle, it's yeah. just, it's it's sort of like a different world, right? Well, yes, it is a different world. It, it is. And I, I think, and, and Corey brings it up, I think the racetracks bring a lot of, uh, have a lot of this. You look at the start finish line to the roval is 200 yards from turn one. You got to power up and then you got to slam on brakes and you got to put, everybody's got to get. So the road courses, which have, as you so elegantly pointed out this morning, are the new short tracks of, of, of NASCAR racing where you do get into each other a lot. But Greg Ives' comment a little bit right there takes you down another road and down a, a, another rabbit hole. If you're wanting to go down that place is if you go back to, to a long, long time ago. The drivers that came along like Mark Martin and the drivers that came along like Jeff Gordon, or Mark Martin and Rusty Wallace and those guys, they learned to drive racing Dick Trickle and Bob Seneca and guys like that. The guys that came out of the Bush series at that time learned to drive against Jack Ingram uh, and Tommy Houston and Tommy Ellis and guys like that. And that's where your dad learned to drive, racing those guys. Right. They taught those drivers a certain type of etiquette, a certain way to race, and they carried it on to the next generation. What we have now is a generation that watches this and says, that's how I'm going to race. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to race like that. Right. You know what I mean? He talks about his seven-year-olds race better. They, they're going to race like that because that's what they see. Yeah. And somewhere there's been that disconnect uh, to young drivers, to really, really young drivers. I'm not talking about Corey here. I'm talking about really seven, eight, nine, 10, 11 year olds, they think that's how you race. They think you go and run over each other. And then it's just magnified when you get to this level because they've already got that set in their head that that's okay. Well, you see it if you watch a AAU kids basketball game with a 12 year old shooting a half court shot like yeah. your Steph Curry, yeah. right? Well, there's an eight year old kid racing a GoPro or racing a Bandolero at the summer shootout wanting to race like Ross Chastain. That's right. Because he's the young guy, he's on the scene. And there's nothing wrong with that. No, nothing wrong with it. Right? Nothing but wrong with looking up You have to harness that. You have to harness the speed, the aggression, and also weigh the consequences because the consequences for wrecking somebody in the Bandolero is a little bit lower than yep. what it would be for wrecking somebody in a cup race. Yep. And the, the garage has always been self-policing, as you saw the 99 go off my right front there at Coda. But, <laughs> you know, like, that really and truly is like one guy getting into me, getting me, me into the That's right. left rear of the 99. Like, it's yeah. Daniel's mad at me. And 
they're what like I'm a innocent bystander yeah. and I just happen to be pushing the button. So it's just man, the the level of competition, the parity in the race cars should also be pointed out because yeah. everybody's braking system are similar, everybody's gear ratios are the same, so you launch the same and you brake the same. There's really I mean there was one point in time I counted seven cars like side by side, nose to tail, smashed yeah. into each other. So um, I'm sitting. I was sitting here laughing, watching those clips because, like, I could see a bachelor party of guys going to go promote a plex and rental cards and look the same show yeah, that yeah, we just yeah. watched yep. on exactly. Sunday. Exactly. Exactly. And in my opinion, when we go to Indy, now I'm on the side of the oval, and I'd love to see us cross the bricks the correct direction. In my opinion, but you know, like when we're running across Roger Penske's grass yeah. and cutting do this and like. That place is supposed to be wine and cheese. It's supposed to be pristine. And here we are with our 3,600-pound stock cars, launching them into oblivion. And I'm going to add one more aspect of respect. Corey LaJoy, I believe, respects Kyle Larson as a race car driver. Kyle Larson respects Corey LaJoy. So there's that respect that we're we're race car drivers. Um, I don't believe that some of these upper-tier teams, that the drivers that drive them, respect their equipment the way Dale Earnhardt respected his equipment because you, he had to run that thing the next week. Do you have to? It wasn't to? a throwaway. If you don't have to this car because you 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 crash it, you tear it up, you throw it away. You yeah. know, it's not a it's it's a it's a disposable piece. Yeah. You go back to the you go back to the 70s, yeah. those guys ran one car and they might have a speedway car. You come to the 80s, they had a speedway car, they had a short track car and they had an intermediate car. So right. they had three cars. So you had to respect that car. You know I mean, you had to respect that piece of equipment. You went to Martinsville. All you cared about was getting it through 400 laps so you could race the last 100 laps of the race. You had to respect those brakes. You know what I mean? Perfect. So it's, it's a different, it just extrapolates out to where. Yeah, and one, and one last thing on this, but uh, I was getting dinner with Joey Logano last night, and, and we could just sub Kyle Larson's name in the analogy is used for Joey's, right? Yeah. I was in Joey's wedding. I've known him since we've been 14 years old. I respect Joey. Joey respects me as a race car driver, but there was a restart in which he was getting yelled at because he went down there like the <laughs> opposite direction of everybody else and like T-boned some guys. It looked like a Mario Kart. And I was yeah. right behind <laughs> him. I was right behind him. So the yeah. thought process of him is like, if I don't make the move to four wide bottom, I wasn't going to be the one to do it. Yeah. That's, that's just what it is. Do it. Yeah. Like if Joey, do it. if Joey doesn't put his 22 car that's there, right. I'm going to fill it and I'm going to be the one that shifts yeah. everybody. Yeah. Yeah. That's just the way it is, man. Like, yeah. right, wrong, or indifferent, you got to be the, like, you either get or you get got yeah. right now. Yeah, because if you don't do it, you're going to get, gonna get left behind. You're going to get shoved by somebody else, right? And, 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 and then, wait, one more thing. And I'm gonna, it's I'm gonna, situational. Gonna, yeah, it it's is situational. situational. Because I'm going to say, so it's Greg Ives this week and Ryan Blaney, but if they had come out first and second, it would be somebody else yeah, yeah. saying and the that same. Was my point. And, and there's your have circle. That it's, just, yeah. it's just that yeah. musical chair. We're going to squeeze in a phone call. Let's go to Tony on the line. Tony, welcome to NASCAR American Motor Mouths. Hey, guys. Good to talk to you. Corey, just hang in there. You'll get a right ride one of these days, man. I'll pull for you. You can run that bow tie strong. Um, my question is, I hadn't heard anybody say anything, but why can't they just flip-flop the way they run the road course at Indy? Wouldn't it'd be less commotion going into what they call turn 14 now as opposed right. to one something right. similar to the Rover. Yeah, no, I, I'm glad you brought this up, Tony, because it's funny you say that it, it was suggested yesterday on that Behind the Wheel uh, segment with Joey Logano on Series X on NASCAR Radio. I don't know if he brought this up with you, Corey, but mm-hmm. Joey said, why not run the other direction with the road course, and then you're not going to funnel into turn one. You'll have a little bit 
of a different situation into what's oval turn four, but turn 14 on the road course. I think that would be at least a band-aid. Yeah. yeah, it would be a pretty good band-aid for the problem, just because they have to almost save us from ourselves. Because at least they give us a 60-degree kink, fairly long radius corner, like 14 going the opposite direction would be. Uh, it would definitely single file it down a little bit more so as to where you wouldn't yeah. have the Great chaos point. in turn one. Uh, but thanks, Tony, for the call. I appreciate that. Yeah. I, I, and I also believe, hey, the direction Spire Motorsports is trending at the moment, man, I think we're going the right direction. So I, I do think I'm in a good team, and hopefully we can get a W and a banner hanging on that wall here soon. Yeah, yeah. certainly Atlanta. Yes, man. We were close, uh, buddy. We, you were close. Yeah. We were close. Everybody <laughs> in the world. Horseshoes and hand, hand, yeah, hand that's grenades. That's it, man. Though. I know, Dang. I know, I know. God. <laughs> um, so a little bit of news, by the way, going into Michigan. Kurt Busch is going to miss his third consecutive race. Uh, with the concussion-like symptoms from the Pocono qualifying crash, which we're seeing right here, uh, rear end impact first, then hit with the right front. Uh, he had an optimistic, I think, release today. He said that he's positive about trying to make it back for Richmond. So, uh, Kyle, your thoughts on what's going on with Kurt? Listen, uh, obviously he is, has talks about his con concussion symptoms, um, what he sees. He's been very honest with, with fans and been very honest with, with most everybody he's talked to. I've broken a lot of stuff. <laughs> I've broken a lot of stuff, man. Um, the brain heals at its own pace, and you can't speed that up. There's not a stem cell or stem machine you can put on it to stimulate it. There's not an exercise that you can do. There are exercises, but there's not something that you can do to just put it all back together. Um, and, and the most important thing, and I, and I will say this, and I've said it before to, to young drivers and other drivers, when I broke my leg, and I had a compound fracture, I told the doctor, get it the right length, and I'm going to take off as much time as it can because I don't want to be a 90-year-old and be limping. Yeah, just be limping. For Kurt, he is the most important thing. This race car is not the most important thing in getting back to the racetrack. Uh, and Michigan is incredibly fast uh, where things happen really fast. And if you're not 100%, he's, that's the right decision. And Corey, I know you've been outspoken a little about the new car and how you guys feel these impacts a little bit more uh, than before, right? Yeah, and, and I, I should also say, like, I don't feel b behind closed doors, NASCAR is not sitting on their hands when no. it comes to trying to right. make these cars safer. They're addressing potentially softer uh, rear clips that crush more on impact, potentially smaller fuel cells maybe just to give more space to crush because uh, with the next-gen car, the rear clip, rear impact specifically were a little bit higher than the previous car, but... NASCAR is trying to make and progress the improvements for this car to try to not, they don't want anybody sitting out. They don't want Kurt Busch sitting out, right? Especially three weeks, they don't want anybody yeah. getting hurt. So to your point, the, the impacts are a bit more noticeable. Uh, we're wearing uh, mouthpiece sensors to relate black box data from the race car to what our craniums actually see in the impact. So as NASCAR can start correlating those two points of reference and compare it to the previous car, I think the more data we get, the more we can just make these cars safer to, you know, hopefully ha not have issues like we see with Kurt, yeah. and hopefully he's back soon. So Ty Gibbs will be stepping in for the third consecutive race in the number 45 Toyota. Uh, great discussion, segment one. When we come back, we'll bring in Brad Doherty, NASCAR and NBC analyst, NASCAR Cup Series co-team owner. There he is. Brad will talk to us about what's going on here. NASCAR American Motor Mouths on the other side. 
Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Some news coming out of the IndyCar race at Indianapolis Motor Speedway Road Course this past weekend. Race winner Alexander Rossi and his number 27 Dallara Honda Andretti Autosport team were penalized 20 driver and entrant points for using a water bottle to meet minimum weight. Water bottle is ballast, uh, not allowed in the IndyCar series. Who knew? Who knew that or Who not? Who knew? Uh, of course, IndyCar, as I mentioned, we're racing Nashville Sunday 3 p.m. on NBC. Uh, part of our motorsports on NBC weekend schedule. MotoGP has it all, but really NBC does this weekend, starting Saturday with Monster Jam in Syracuse, then the Xfinity Series, 3 p.m. on USA. Sunday, IMSA is at Road America to kick off the day. As you saw, MotoGP heads to Silverstone for the British Grand Prix. And then dual screen action time with the Cup Series in Michigan. And as I mentioned, IndyCar on the streets of Nashville, Music City Grand Prix for the second consecutive year, 3 p.m. Eastern on NBC. Hey, I got an idea. Yes. Maybe we take the carnage from Indy and send it to Monster Jam, and you put those two and marry them together. What an event, man. Right. Think about that. I think we had a Monster Jam in the third one. <laughs> Indy, right? Kyle Petty's all about synergy. Yes, yeah, bring it all together, man. Bring in those monster trucks. <laughs> We welcome in Brad Doherty. Uh, Brad, welcome. Uh, a lot of discussion, obviously, that Kyle's just been uh, pr- uh, promoting a little bit here, the, the carnage at Indy. Uh, what was your take <laughs> on what we saw on the road course last Sunday and the uh, aggression respect level among drivers? Well, a lot of weekends, my 47 ends up on a flatbed, and this weekend it didn't, so I was happy to watch him boys tear them race cars up. <laughs> it was fun watching them getting after it. I like Ross going gardening, just taking off. All four wheels off, just making his own. Didn't lift either, boy, just going for it. I think it's great. Uh, you know, we watch the IndyCar guys. They can't even get close to one another. Uh, you know, they got sensors in their cars that keep them from getting too close. Now, you got Corey LaJoy. You got these boys, these, these, these cut cars just flat, getting after it. That's what the fans want to see. That's what I want to see. I want to see more of it. Let's have more road courses. Let's let these boys just get after it. This race car is hardy. Uh, it can take a beating, and let's let these guys lean on each other and be mad and go out and just lay it on the line. That's what I want to see. Okay, so let me ask you this question. Um, that's and, and I hear what you're saying, and you're speaking from a fan's perspective. Um, but from an owner's perspective, how many weekends yeah. like that can you have as an owner before you just say, okay, I can't play this game anymore? Yeah, probably two. <laughs> That's it. I mean, and, 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 you know, Corey will tell you, our teams my size and smaller teams, we, you know, we really got to pay attention to what we're doing. We can't tear up our race cars. We can't bend up pieces and parts because it's still difficult to get everything we need. Uh, so, yeah, you don't want to destroy race cars, but I do like to see guys really getting after it, uh, racing aggressively, not giving up. And, I, and you know what? It's going to continue. This is not going to get better. Because I think a lot of these these guys are figuring out these race cars are somewhat durable. And they're hard to get to turn. It's hard to pass. You have to take spots. You have to, you know, restart. you got to go get everything you can get. 
I think this weekend at Michigan is going to be fascinating. You know, normally we go to Michigan. Uh, we're looking for a, a lot, you know, one last stop, save some fuel, fuel mileage race. I think you're going to see guys getting down the corner, really barreling off into corners on restarts, trying to take position, trying to hold on to it. So I think it's going to be fun to watch. But, yeah, we can't. We don't want to destroy our race cars, but you never mind a guy, especially on those last couple of laps, going and trying to get that checkered flag and just bringing the steering wheel back. Hey, I want to ask another question. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to save you here. I wanna, so we have had this conversation. We started in the first segment, and we go back to, to, to racing. And you've been around um, the press leagues. You've been around racing a long time. When you had double or single file restarts or yeah. double file, but you had lap cars on the lead inside, lead lap cars on the outside. Take me through, take me through basketball. When did basketball yeah. become such a physical game? Because that's basically what we're seeing. We're seeing a sport that has evolved from the 60s and 70s where it was more about finesse. It was more about taking care of your equipment. It was more about being there at the end and contending for wins and championships to just brute force, let's bulldoze yeah. our way in here and let's elbow this. When did the sport of basketball change? Because I think that's what we as fans are seeing with this sport now, an evolution 100%. that is changing. Yeah. I agree 100%. And to go back to those days, I mean, I love when the leaders started on the out, you know, on the outside and the slower car started on the inside. I go back to the days of watching Jack Ingram and Sam Ard and, and Bosco Lowe and all these guys. And, and I thought it mixed it up because it gave the guys who weren't as fast a chance to run for two or three laps and be amongst them. You saw it in basketball. It, 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 it was kind of, it's kind of been in the reverse. When you look back through the 70s, the 80s, and into the early 90s, basketball was brutally physical. Now the game has become a finesse game where it's more forward-facing, more out-shooting. Uh, guys are incredibly skilled, but it's just the opposite in NASCAR. Now you're stacking them up like cordwood. And, I mean, those, I mean it's, it's 10, 12, 13 rows of guys just, just flat, not giving each other a break, uh, wearing each other out. And uh, it is. I mean, it's created calamity over the last several years. You look at our sport because – these restarts in every level, you go all the way down to the truck series, man, it is on. It is on. And uh, sometimes it's too early in the race and it's on. You know, so, yeah, it, it's changed. It's flip-flopped a lot. But I, I hearken back to those days watching Bob Presley and all those guys, man, and, and, and look, getting to see that guy who maybe not, doesn't have the fastest car, but he gets a chance on a restart to start side-by-side -side and see if he can keep up for a few laps, see if he can dig for a few laps. It's not that way anymore, boy. you got to pull them belts tight. Corey, I'll tell you, man, you barrel off that in the water. You are hanging on, brother. Two, hey, two handfuls of belts. But <laughs> Brad, we, we talked about earlier in the show, uh, and, and KP just touched on it, how the, the wave and the progression of sport and how it ebbs and flows, how a eight-year-old kid at an AAU tournament is jacking up half-court half shots like he's Steph Curry, right? right? So, like, what they see on primetime television trickles down to the generations to follow. So you as an owner... When you're evaluating talent, whether it's eight years old, 15 years old, you just mentioned the truck series, how much aggression is too much aggression? Well, that's a good question, good question. because now what we're seeing, I mean, we're even seeing sponsorship models where, you know, sponsors are talking about, I like this search and such guy. He's aggressive. Uh, where in the past, you wanted a, a really solid race car driver that could represent your product and, and have, you know, some character, integrity and stuff like that. It's hard, Corey. I, I can't tell you, you know, just like basketball, AAU has, you can go and watch AAU kids and you can kind of tell skill set wise who's going to be able to do what in about five or six years. 
You go watch guys now run, whether they're running super late models, they're running modified. You can see talented people, but you just don't know if they've got it to run at the cup series level where you have to be hyper-aggressive anymore. And if you're not, you get run over. So I, I don't know how you evaluate that. Um, I, I think you look for guys, though, that on restarts are going to go get a handful. I just think you have to have that in the Cup Series now. If you don't, especially with these race cars, you're just you're out of luck, man, because track position is 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 just critical. It's just critical. So I don't know if you can evaluate a guy anymore and say that guy's super talented. I think this new race car, though, has shown us that we have guys throughout the field that are very very talented. I think for so many years we've been able to we've been going to these racetracks and teams like yours and teams like mine. We get out resourced, we get out data, we get out mile an hour to the corner with all that big history of playbook. Now they don't have that. So we're seeing guys like yourself. We're seeing guys like Chris Busher. We're seeing you guys who can drive race cars, get up and have a chance to shine. And I think that's great. I love it. Brad, you've seen, you've seen the top of the tip of the spear in not only basketball, obviously, but, but our sport, motorsports. I don't know, and I don't think just watching replays of races, the – element of self-confidence and the system that a driver's in. I, I, I point to a guy like Ross Chastain and, and Daniel Suarez, right? They surround themselves. Justin Mark sticks them in the car. They build a culture around them, and they give them the confidence in the guys that they're race, going to race with. I wanted to dig into your brain a little bit on how much confidence as an athlete plays into the performance you see on a Sunday afternoon. It's everything. It's everything. Look, man, this, the, the reality of it is everyone's, everyone's good. When you get to this level, you get to the NBA, you get to the Cup Series, you're good. You're good. So if you're not confident, if you're not uber confident, you can't separate yourself. You know, that's the one thing being around Michael Jordan for all those years. I would always, people always say, man, he, you know, he's, he's probably the hardest working guy on the team. I'd say, no, he's the most talented guy, but he's also a hardworking guy. So that separates him from everyone else. That's what you see in the Cup Series, especially with these race cars at, at that level. Everyone is so talented, but everyone doesn't have the same opportunity on Sunday, okay? So how do you carry that? How do you overcome that? It'll beat you down. You're racing against these, these behemoths in Hendrick Motorsports and Joe Gibbs Racing and Penske. These guys got multiples of everything, okay? So you take a smaller team, guy may be just as talented, but maybe he can't go out there and run as hard as he needs to run. So that starts to mess with you a little bit. That starts to, to take something away from you. And then what happens, you get into bad habits. Just like a baseball player, a basketball, football player, it takes a basketball player it takes consistently takes bad shots, you know, or, or a golfer that has a bad golf swing, gets into a bad habit. Race car drivers, same thing. If you're, if you're not racing to win, then what are you doing? You're racing to do something. Are you racing to save the car? Are you racing to finish 25th? Are you racing to just finish the day? You start doing that, you develop a bad habit, and it, it makes it hard to compete. So confidence is everything. You have to have uber confidence no matter what you're doing, especially in pro sport. Brad, I think we've got our friend Marvin Blue on the line with a phone call, a question for you. Marvin, welcome to Motormouths. What you got for Brad Doherty? How you doing, big Brad? Man, I'm doing fine, Marvin. How about you? I'm doing pretty good, man. I'm enjoying my Wednesday night, man. But I wanted to chat with you really quick. Uh, we're heading into Michigan International Speedway this Sunday. I want to know who your uh, prime pick is to win the uh, Xfinity Series race on Saturday. Oh, man, that's a good one. You know who's going to win the race on, on Saturday? I done figured this out. 
no aggression. I'm telling you, he has turned a leaf. His attitude is phenomenal. I I'm seeing something in him. Now, don't get me wrong. AJ, really good at Michigan. He's coming off of a, a heck of a victory. Justin Allgaier, those, those JR Motorsports cars have been great. Allgaier's been really, really good. But I'm picking Noah Gregson. I think he's going to show up big time in this championship fight. What happened at Elkhart later a few weeks ago needed to happen to him. It's changed him for the better. It's given him perspective on his his on his, on how privileged he is, on the opportunity he has, and and he needs to do his job and do his homework. And I, I've seen a different Noah Gregson over the last few weeks. I think he's going to win at Michigan. Uh, go back to the phones and talk to Aaron. Aaron, welcome to NASCAR America Motor Mouth. Hey, uh, hey guys. Um, I actually had a quick question. You talked about it last time with uh, Kurt Busch. He's, this is going to be his third week uh, out uh, consecutively. My question is, before is uh, when he comes back, do you guys think he'll have time to uh, – uh, 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 like basically like come back in time to get back into his peak performance before the playoffs start all right good question Aaron. um we can start with you kp or Corey. like I, 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 well, listen i'll start with the, I'll start with the driver well something that i i just thought about as as he was asking the question is i'm sure they're going to give kurt a lot of simulator time yeah and it, that simulator you're wearing 3d glasses the 270 degree th 3d the car moves, but it's stationary, right? But the whole cockpit moves. And it'll make somebody that doesn't have a brain injury sick. So mm -hmm. I feel like if Kurt can get to the threshold where he can stomach a, an entire simulation session, then that'll check him off and be good enough. And Kurt is a NASCAR series yes. champion. Yeah. So like he will, now you only get 20 minutes of practice, but it's like for Kurt Busch, it's like riding a bike. Yeah. But for him riding that bike right now, will, it will be a lot of simulator time and just getting that brain back acclimated to peripheral sites that uh, it might be having a challenge to work through right now. So it's not going to be easy, but if anybody can do it, it's Kurt Busch. Yeah. Yeah. Brad, you, you're a professional answer. athlete. You, you've been through injuries. You know what it's like to come back. Yeah. What would be your assessment of, of the Kurt Busch situation? I, I think Corey's right. Uh, the thing that would concern me, though, is, you know, at Kurt's age, uh, coming back into the, you know, we're still racing in the middle of the summer, uh, trying to get acclimated, being hydrated, making sure your brain is fully nourished. This is a serious injury, and uh, I'm concerned for him. Uh, concussions are just, they're just, they're, they're tough to, they're tough to, they're tough to overcome. So uh, I'm hoping, you know, like you, like Corey says, you go through this simulation, man. This stuff makes you sick without any type of brain injury or any type of concussion or anything like that. So I, I, I'm watching. I'm concerned though to see this happen. And this day in this era uh, concerns me. Uh, so it tells me a lot about the race car. And uh, I, I hope he takes his time. I'm not worried about him coming back and being great in a couple of weeks. I want him to come back and be great, you know, like the great Kurt Busch has been for a whole season. So I'm, th I'm thinking long term. I hope he takes his time, doesn't push it. I want to seem completely healthy. All right. Uh, let's take uh, another phone call. Joshua on the line from NASCAR America. Okay, so with Kurt Busch being out another week, um, if he can't make it the rest of the season, who will replace him in the car either this year or next year? All right, well, that's kind of a tough question. Yeah, I don't think we want to speculate question. too much. Yeah, I, don't know. I mean, obviously at this point we know Ty yeah. Gibbs is the, the short-term replacement. 
Well, and, and just something quick on that. John Hunter was the 2311 reserve driver from Daytona, the 500. So yeah. if somebody got, uh, you know, exposed to COVID, if somebody had to sit out yeah. last minute, John Hunter was the guy. John Hunter, they had him stay over from the truck race on po at Pocono, and it was a last-minute switch between Jay. Like, Jay, they had John Hunter's pedal measurements. They had John Hunter's insert in the car, and they audibled last second to put Ty Gibbs in the car. So, obviously, it's, it's the future direction for Gibbs, which, in conjunction with 2311, it gets Ty a lot of quality seat time. So, short-term fix is certainly uh, Ty Gibbs, and he's certain is shown to be a, a very capable yeah. replacement. So. Yeah, but let's... We're not going to speculate. I'm not going to speculate on anything because I'm going to say this. It's Kurt Busch's car. Yeah. And it's Kurt Busch's yeah. car until Kurt Busch says, I'm not, I'm not capable of doing this. And that's, that's basically what they've said from the very beginning. That's what Ty has said. That's what Denny said. That's what everybody has said straight down the line. So, um, you know, from, take it from a guy who has set out for six months at, at a time. You want that car referred to as your car. That helps you heal. Uh, when you start hearing speculation and somebody's going to take my place, man, that's a that's a bitter pill to swallow. So it's Kurt's car right now. All right. Well, uh, we will leave it there with Brad Doherty. Brad, thanks for joining us. Yeah, Always appreciate your insight, your perspective on NASCAR American Motor Mouths. Hey, great to see you guys. You too, Brad. See you, man. See you soon. See you, bud. All Bye, right. Buddy. So say goodbye to Brad Doherty. We'll say hello on the other side to a NASCAR Cup Series rookie, Todd Gilliland, joining us coming off his career best finish. Indy Road Course, there he is. You can talk to him on the other side. <laughs> Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Welcome back to NASCAR America Motor Marlins. Hey, big day for Cup Series freshmen at Indianapolis Motor Speedway this past Sunday. Cup Series rookies Austin Sindrick, Harrison Burton, and Todd Gilliland finished second, third, and fourth. Austin Sindrick's tweet here. They played the long game and beat some veterans. They're also buds, uh, especially Harrison Burton and the guy who's joining us now on Motor Mouse, Todd Gilliland. Todd, uh, fourth place Sunday. Uh, I know that you feel like you've been building toward this, but certainly an impressive finish. Has it has it sunk in a little bit that you got your first top five? Yeah, no, definitely. I think um, you know overall it was a super exciting day. Um, you know, honestly, right after the race, I was I was a little bit disappointed. You know, I was ran ahead of the two and ahead ahead of the twenty one most of the day, um, and then you see the t the two cars up there, you know, ready to to kind of make something happen if the the two guys in the front wreck so at first i was a little bit disappointed like i, I could have got a still a little bit better finish but um but you know i think throughout this week going to the shop and just seeing how happy everyone is, is at firm motorsports that you know to have two competitive race cars i, I think you know definitely uh, it's definitely something in more this week all right so you know a great run and but, but i'm gonna go in a totally different direction here because you said something there uh I was disappointed when the race was over with. Tell me a driver that's not disappointed when a race is over with. And that's what I love 
I, that's what I love to hear. Your granddad was a great race car driver. Your dad's a great race car driver. What, what, what did you take away from them um, and, and you bring to the table now? Because, listen, I raced against your dad and your granddad. I just got to come back and race against you, and that'll be three generations. So, uh, But I raced against Butch. But what, what do you take away from them, and what do they say to you when they see you have a run like this? Yeah, no, it's, uh, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of stuff I, I take away that I don't really even notice. So, um, you know, I think that's the, the cool part is, you know, just growing up around the sport, I feel like you gave me such a good head start. Um, you know, before I even hopped in a race car, I feel like I knew a lot about racing. So uh, I think that's the biggest thing I probably took away from them when I was younger. But, um, you know, I think it's just, you know, like I said, they were all super happy after the race. And, um, you know, my grandpa lives in Thailand now, so... Uh, he was texting me right after the race. Obviously, my dad was there. So, um, you know, it, this is a tough sport. So, uh, I think of it anything, they they appreciate it and kind of make me appreciate it um, a little bit more. Seeing them, you know, excited about it, and um, you know, like I said, just really, um, you're really taking it all in. My first time in Indianapolis to get top five. Uh, it's uh, not too bad. Oh, also, it wasn't like you backed into the top five no, either. Right. You had speed, made the top fast 10 in the, the first segment of qualifying there. But I wanted to talk about uh, you were halfway through your rookie year, man. And my rookie year was one I would rather forget. But uh, <laughs> this is, I was just sitting here thinking, this is probably the best year to come in as a rookie because everybody's acclimating to a new car. But it's also probably one of the hardest ones because you're still racing up against the best guys on Sunday. So how, so far, a little bit past halfway of the year, how have you evaluated your rookie season? Yeah, I think, you know, I say the same thing to everyone that, that asked me, you know, is this really the best year that, to come in? You know, I think on one hand it really is because, you know, like you said, we, everyone knows we're, we're learning the next-gen car at the, at the same time. Um, but on the other hand, you know, we unload at the racetrack with, I mean, basically our best gets every single week. You know, where before I feel like the cars would be you know, within a range that is drivable and, um, you know, more so leave it up to me to get up to speed, where with this thing, I mean, those laps you have to tiptoe around and make sure it's, you know, everything's going to go okay. So um, I'd say that's the biggest thing, you know, the positives and negatives. But, um, you know, overall, I, I think I finished the majority of the laps. Um, that was really my main main objective and goal coming into the season is just to learn as much as possible. You know, I really knew that the results were going to be tough. The Cup Series is, is very difficult. So, um, just being able to race around the right people, you know, hopefully gain some respect. There's definitely been some times where I've made some rookie mistakes, but, um, you know, hopefully get those things out of the way. And like I said, finish a lot of laps this year to hopefully set myself up better in the future. Hey, Todd, on gaining that respect and, and having to make some of those mistakes, I'm sure you heard the topic of discussion coming out of Indy is respect among the drivers. It's been a big topic on our show here today. You're 22 years old. And I think, you know, Kyle made an interesting point earlier that like some of this is generational. Some of this is, Younger drivers look at it differently than the veterans. How, how do you view that discussion, that topic that we've been hearing about uh, so much this season with the next-gen car? Is it Does it feel more aggressive uh, than what you were accustomed to coming up through your career? Or is it like, hey, these guys are so much more world-class, elite talent. Of course, it's going to be a lot more fighting for a position at this level. Um, I think that is a tough question, right? I don't know that... I mean, you watch the restarts, and it's really hard to even say, you know, who did it even start with? Like, we're all hitting each other. So, you know, at some point, you know, it's, it's really even hard to point a, a finger at, at somebody. But, um, you know, to me, I think it is partially generational. Um, I was joking around it, but, you know, you know, we've survived some truck series restarts at Martinsville. Like, 
I mean, it's not funny. It's not something that you should be proud of. But I mean, the, the, the racing is it's tough, you know, in the trucks like you get beat around. And I feel like you see it more in Xfinity now, too, with the, the composite bodies. It just really opens up the window to be like this aggressive. But, um, you know, it's, it's certainly not a, a great thing, um, you know, for the drivers. It's very frustrating at times. But, um, you know, like I said, I, I don't know that it's, it's the norm, but, you know, I, I think if anything, the next-gen car being more durable, the, the composite bodies being way more durable, I think it just kind of opens up that window another step or so. Man, go. I'll go. I'll take it. So, yeah. uh, man, your, your old man David is, a, uh, is one of my favorite conversations to have at the racetrack. So what's the biggest thing that he's helped you with along this rookie year? Um, I feel like that's tough. He, he's not really one to, you know, come at me with advice. I, I feel like he's the guy that, you know, makes me – wait and, and see and then ask him for advice um you know but i feel like just racing in general is all about relationships um I, I think that's one thing he's done a really good job of throughout my whole career is just you know making sure i'm i'm always engaged with them you know just making the best um best relationships possible i'd say within my team um within our organization and then and also you know within nascar it, it's so important to to know you know all the executives of, of the racing um, side of things, um, you know, all the other drivers. I, I think as far as that stuff, it's probably been the biggest thing he's helped me with is just, you know, getting a foot in some of those doors to maybe go start a conversation with uh, with anyone I don't know. Let's squeeze in a uh, phone call. Noah on the phone joining us to, on NASCAR America Motor Miles. Noah, what do you have for Todd Gillen? Uh, hello? Um, yes. Hi. Uh, i got a, a question. Um, so, uh, Todd, uh, listen. I just, uh, I'm just curious. Um, for the for the upcoming race at uh, Michigan International Speedway, um, which is going to be uh, one of the fastest tracks in NASCAR, um, I'm just kind of curious. Like this is this is speaking in terms of the future. Um, is NASCAR planning to like uh, crank up the horsepower on the the vehicles, especially like like, like have they have any talks with Ford on on such an idea? Um, that's a that's a tough question. I don't. Uh... I think that's way above my pay grade, man. It's uh, <laughs> those decisions are made. I was just along for the ride, even at our, our first tests this year. You know, I was pretty surprised that you know NASCAR kind of takes everyone. Sound like we we losing? Did we lose? We lost Todd. All right. Just watching those clips, man, I'm like, oh my goodness, Michigan! <laughs> like, I forgot how fast Michigan is. I'm ready yeah. to go. Well, let's uh, let's talk some Michigan when we come back. Yeah. We thank Todd Gilliland for joining us. When we come back, we'll talk about the race this Sunday, Michigan Speedway. Join us on NASCAR America Motor Mouse on the other side. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hate it when that happens. Hate it when that happens.
on USA. It's a race for the playoffs. The drama. Oh, can he hang on to it? The excitement. The characters. You don't like that kind of racing? Don't even watch. Next up, Michigan. NASCAR, Sunday, 3 Eastern, on USA. The two-mile track in the Irish Hills is the next stop for NASCAR, and here's a look at this weekend's schedule. On Saturday, all practice and qualifying can be found on the NBC Sports app. Then head over to USA at 3 p.m. Eastern for the Xfinity Series race. And finally, on Sunday, coverage for the Cup Series begins with Countdown to Green at 2.30 p.m. Eastern, on USA from Michigan Speedway. So when we talk about Michigan Speedway, certainly a name that always comes up is Kyle Larson. Uh, He has three victories there, which is more than he has at any other Cup Series track. He's got five victories on two-mile levels like Michigan. Uh, And he comes into Michigan this year, guys, in coming off of a really weird incident for Kyle Larson. He was involved in this crash at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Road Course Sunday. You can see it here. Collides with Ty Dillon, and during the race broadcast, you know, Jeff Burton was watching that and said, that's got to be a mechanical failure. And then we find out this week that Hendrick Motorsports confirms that this was not a mechanical failure, that this essentially was driver error. So um, let's let's unpack that, because that's that's a very odd crash to happen at that high rate of speed going in turn one for a driver's accomplished as Larson. Very odd to see Kyle Larson make any mistake, let alone one yes, that's, uh, that's obvious and apparent as that one. I mean, he might have just been trying to get to that dirt track over in turn three because <laughs> he's running the BC 39 yeah. t- tomorrow. Uh, I think he's running seven or eight races in the span of nine or ten days. Obviously, we all know Kyle Larson lo- loves to race, but um, I laid it over my SMT and he went about 155 feet deeper than I did in that corner. Wow. And I think that he, once he realized he wasn't going to make it, yeah. and he once he thought that he was going to run in the back of the 47, he tried to go shortcut the corner and throttled it up even, and obviously didn't clear yeah. Ty Dillon. And luckily nobody got hurt, but that was certainly a wild crash. And, you know, we don't see Kyle Larson make mistakes very often, and I'm sure that probably won't happen on that five-car again. Yeah. And, and listen, and, and we, we talked about this a, a minute ago. Sometimes when you're in a race and you have an issue and you're not in that race anymore, even though you're out there on the racetrack, you're not in that race anymore. So you start trying things. You yeah. start trying to run a different line. You start trying to do – and his car was not damaged. You know, it, it, in his incident, it wasn't torn up. So, but at the same time, you know, 140 yards, 150 – maybe he tried 100, maybe he tried 120, and yeah. 140 was just the breaking point. Right. You, you know what I mean? You, you, you have to look at all that stuff. But – uh, you don't see him make mistakes like that. You don't see that lapse, um, that lapse in judgment where you, where you say, well, that... And, and I think what was so, so bizarre for Burton and for everybody watching at home was you don't see the tires smoking. So you think, okay, instantly it's brakes. Mm-hmm. We've seen cars lose brakes for a million years yeah. at racetracks. Or, and even when a throttle hangs, you see somebody, all four tires are smoking, but you mm-hmm. saw nothing but... Um, Man, that was that was a spooky. It was really scary. I think also without you know without just breezing over it, how much focus every single lap, every yeah. single corner, mm-hmm. every single braking zone. You are on the verge, no matter if you're running first or if you're yeah. running thirty first. Like you are going to the breaking point yeah. and the edge of your tire grip, the edge of your brake, like. You're trying to get every ounce of speed if you can. If you overstep that line, now if you overstep by 150 feet, that you see the outcome. But 
like you can't lapse focus yeah. for one corner right for the entire day and that is that is when people if I'll go places and people say tell me something about this sport I don't know and I will say you don't realize how mental it is you don't understand how mm -hmm. how mentally tough you have to be to stay focused to stay in the game to stay on top of it even under cautions even under cautions coming down pit road getting off pit road finding your place in line, choosing the right lane, doing those things. You're constantly thinking, thinking, thinking. And we've all run races where you're physically exhausted, but mentally you're beat. Well, and you could add some more to this, KP. It's like people have heard of flow state, right? When you get in this, this train of thought where it's almost like second nature and you're doing it out of muscle memory, you have to actively talk yourself out of flow state to because you want to try to get that extra two feet, yeah. that extra three mm -hmm. feet. Because... Flow state or what you're comfortable with or what your body wants to go is slower than what the car is probably capable of going. So it's a constant battle with yourself mentally of like, get get three more feet in here, will you? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. open that corner up three more yeah. feet. I dare you. Like, get yeah, a little bit more. You. Right. <laughs> yeah. So like, you're constantly over four hours in a 130 degree cockpit. That's mentally pushing yourself each yeah. and every lap. And that's I give goosebumps just talking about it because yeah. that's what that's what <laughs> that's I, what it is. That's what I show up for. Now yeah. I'm trying to win races and championships. Yeah. That's the goal. But like the weekly grind of trying to like like that battle that riff of with that's myself cool. is, yeah. is why yeah. I show up. That's every cool. Week. That's why we have you on the show yeah, too, cool. Corey. That's really that's good cool. stuff. That's Great good insight stuff. from Corey LaJoy. Uh, let's squeeze in another phone call. Cameron joining us on NASCAR American Motormouths. Cameron, what do you have? Yeah, just a quick question for you guys. As you know, the regular season coming down and playoffs coming around the corner. What would be the strategy as in going into a big race like Michigan? So uh, I think in the past, fuel mileage was always yeah. a game, a tactic you could sort of play at this race because it would go long, caution-free stretches. I don't know if that necessarily would apply this year, given yeah, the next I year. I have right? no idea. Yeah, so the first thing they'll look at, the first thing our team will evaluate after practice or during practice is tire degradation and fall-off, right? So if you don't see a whole yeah. entire fall-off, then you're talking about a fuel mileage race. Yeah. You're talking about a track position to where if you pit from eighth and you can't afford to give up 10 spots because if tires aren't worth that amount of fall off, then you're not going to get it back. So uh, we'll evaluate the tires, that, how much they fall off, which we don't anticipate to be very much. It'll be a track position race. And I do feel like even though it's a low, low downforce race, uh, I do think it's a still a bit of a wild card because you can see somebody uh, that you don't normally see up front wedge their way up in there and fight for a win at the end. Wow. Yeah. And Michigan, of course, is known for high speeds. Yes. And it's unrestricted again this year. After last year, you had the um, the t tall spoiler and, and everything going on lower horsepower. Do you think that'll have an impact on the racing car? You know, that that's a great question. I, I think what we saw with, with lower speeds and the tall spoiler and stuff was the draft and how all this stuff works. Um, there's so much corner at Michigan. I don't, I don't think, you know, and, and you know as a driver... You sit and you watch Michigan, and you think it's two miles. Well, where's that two miles at? It's all in the corners, man. Yeah. They are long, long, long corners. Getting in, getting off, getting in the right place. Um, listen, it, it, but when it all comes down to it, and you talk about the Speedway package and all this stuff, and we talk about Daytona and Talladega, but you still got to handle, man. It, this car has to be drivable. has to be drivable, and that's what separates the guys who can run that low drag yep. and still handle. Well, it's also a balance between drag and downforce because yeah. – uh, you can you can hedge your bet, try to get straight line speed, get yep. the, run the deck lid low, try to get some straight line faster, or run the deck lid up, put some more downforce in your car, and hopefully it drives better in yep. traffic. So, 
That's what we got. Do you feel good coming out of Atlanta? I know Atlanta. I was think a you'll race. see the seven car run better than you usually do. This okay. Weekend. All right. Been putting a little more emphasis uh, on the races leading up to the playoffs to take. One well, last our our try. mission is to try to get within striking distance of the top thirty, so we yeah, can go yeah. throw a hail mary yeah. at, Daytona at Daytona Great and point. try to go chump yeah. one yeah, or win one. one so of you got to get up in the points to make uh, the win count. Right. At Daytona. Uh, obviously. Yeah. Yep. That's it. All right. Well, you got any picks, Michigan? Corey LaJoy. Corey LaJoy. Corey LaJoy. I'm going with my man. I know. He's picking. I'm going with my man. All right. Kyle Petty. (laughs) Corey LaJoy to win at Michigan this weekend. Thanks for joining us on NASCAR American Motormouths. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.